Mogul Motivation, empowering and inspiring entrepreneurs and dream chasers worldwide, one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media, and I'm your host, Antoine Twiz-Taylor. Chanel Hill started a hobby in college, and that hobby turned into a business, and that business turned into a nonprofit, and that nonprofit turned into an entire movement, and that movement turned into a lifestyle. This is her story. Chanel, at what point did you fall in love with cooking? Because I feel like that's the core competency of everything that you do. So when did you fall in love with cooking and how did that catapult into what you're doing now? Wow, that's such a good question. And I do feel like cooking is my center. Um, And I fell in love with cooking when I was at SIU in Carbondale. I was in college. Um, I knew freshman year that I wasn't going to survive off campus food because I had already spent a whole semester eating that student special hot wings and cheesy bread. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like all them, all them state schools had that same damn, you know, combo hot wings, you know, the, the chicken tenders, the cheesy bread and shit. Like that cheesy bread was cheesy as hell. It was so cheesy. All the students was, that's where we got our freshman 15 from that fucking cheesy ass. It, man. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. All the hot wings. It was either hot wings from the pizza place or hot wings from Buffalo Wow Wings. So um I knew I wasn't gonna make it like eating on campus and I was just like, This is some bullshit. So for uh sophomore year, they built these new dorms right across the street from the dorms, but they were like apartments. And you could get one with um like a little stove kitchen in it and yeah. it's funny because I was like already freshman year I was the one we had the little kitchenette in the dorms that had like that tiny ass like warmer plate and counter and I used to be in there frying chicken and people would get off the elevator like I know that's Chanel and Sierra we used to be over there mm-hmm. <laughs> making chicken and uh, ramen noodles on the stove so I knew that I wasn't gonna make it and I moved into that new dorm freshman year and I was so geek because they let you decide if you wanted to keep your meal p- plan or um, you know purchasing I said fuck that I'm not spending my money on a $5,000 meal plan this year and that shit not good I'd rather use my money on groceries so I graduated hamburger helper you know what I'm saying I was making that cheesy lasagna (laughs) hamburger helper and I was making burgers and I had already learned how to fry chicken before I came so that was my little things I was frying chicken making hamburger helper and then I was doing my thing and I'm like you know the the pasta sauce good but you know I think I could try this alfredo sauce and see what's really to it you know we was used to eating that olive garden and stuff like that in college so I thought I could try my hand at it so yeah Chicken Alfredo with the ragu sauce, and I was killing that shit to the point I started like making my sauce a little fancier from the canned sauce or whatever. And I used to just have fun, you know, doing little cooking stuff like that. And I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, I really like cooking at that time. But we would start traveling during spring break, which is the week of my birthday, and I would find us a really good ass restaurant to go eat at, and I would be eating at the restaurant. I'm like, oh, this is good, but it could be better if it was like this or if it was like that. So I would come back to school, recreate these recipes, and I didn't realize that this was like a thing for me. And simultaneously during this time, my brother was killed to senseless gun violence in Chicago, mm. and I realized that cooking like it gave me like a sense of joy because I remember for like 
months I wasn't eating I must have lost like 30 pounds and I was like frail like my family was worried and it was like really crazy and cooking kind of helped me get back into the groove of eating like just the whole energy of cooking and like feeding people and getting around being around people again so I started doing um these parties and like appreciation dinners like let's do a roommate appreciation dinner because I had three other roommates and uh the reserves you already know we had it <laughs> we was kicking it at the reserves it was four of us but everybody had their friends so even though it was four of us it used to be like eight people at my house every day mm-hmm. <laughs> they mm-hmm. food, everybody but- want that food uh huh. So we used to do these little roommate appreciation dinners and just regular just dinner. And then I started having these parties called pack parties after we moved from the reserves, where everybody would need to bring a pack of something. So it would be a different thing. Like if it was taco night, then you could bring a pack of tacos or a pack of salsa or a pack of ground turkey or whatever. Or if it was a barbecue pack party, then bring something to throw in the grill or a beer or whatever. So we used to do stuff like that, and that used to be really fun. And then I just became amongst my friends known as someone who could cook. And they would, like, ask me to make that Alfredo on their birthdays and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it kind of grew into that. And I I um, I really enjoy just cooking and bringing my friends together. But none of that really, like, struck a nerve to me that I knew how to cook or that I was good at or anything until the moment I graduated and I was sitting there trying to figure out what I was going to do when I got back to Chicago because I had already moved out and came back to Chicago. And my pops was getting on my nerves. So I said, fuck this. I still got mm. a, a, a month left on my lease. I came back to Carbondale, stayed in that house so I could just think and continue to apply for jobs. And I was doing that like every day religiously. That was my job. And one day I just broke down. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I got bills. I mean, like, do I really have to wait on a job to get money? Like, what can I do with what I'm already blessed with that nobody can give me or take away? Like, what's my gifts? Like, what's up? You know, like, yeah. God, talk to me, you know. And I'm looking down. I'm shaking my hands. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm crying. And then I'm like, damn, like, I can cook. I could cook real good. Like, people love my food. And I had this moment of realization where I literally heard God speak to me like you could cook cook that food um and so I made a a menu sent it to my family like yo I want to open a restaurant and they was all like what you tripping you just got a master's degree sis and I'm Mm -hmm. just like okay y'all ain't hearing me though so I couldn't stop thinking about it and I would dream about it and that's how I came up with dream events catering um, I woke up one day like Jeremy Vince catering and from there I just started telling people like I cater I started taking pictures of my food and I made an Instagram page <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just kind of went from there and just like took it day by day because my foundation was what can I use that I'm gifted with that nobody can give me or take away and what can I use where I could make something out of nothing and that's exactly what catering is you don't have to have all of these tools and resources and stuff to get started if somebody wants you to make some baking you could you just need a kitchen you know so I'm just like I can get started right now people know I'm getting started so they not expecting me to have all this fancy shit and be this fancy ass Michelin chef so I just took my 
time with it. I didn't try to like be more than I was. I didn't try to appear to be different than what I was. I just have been very comfortable with being on my journey, but always wanting more and knowing that I'm capable of more and just allowing the time on my journey to bring me into being more. Um, What year was this when you graduated from uh, grad school? 2013. 2013. Okay, so 2013 mm-hmm. is when you uh got the initial, you know, vision and yeah. you started the company and um you got what an LLC or something like that. Um I did uh a sole proprietorship. So, so okay, okay. But nevertheless, you made it a real business entity. Yes. Um mm-hmm. so you made it a real business entity at that point yeah. because, you know, you realized you was gifted with cooking. That was your yeah. gift. It's not like you was even and you know I don't really know your full story, but I do understand and I could p- speak from personal experience. Entrepreneurs, a lot of us, we tend to ignore what we're gifted at and try to chase something we're not gifted at. And then that's why we get so frustrated because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're trying to go down a route that we don't really care for, but we think we need to go down this route because that's what society say. That's what our family say. That's what our friends say. When instead, you know, you got your gift the entire time. And it's, it's beautiful that you realize that at that moment, mm-hmm. um, because that's how people aspiring entrepreneurs can drown very quickly, especially college yeah. grads. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So you started dreamy events, 2013, you already got a reputation of you make good food from your, um, college friends, your college associates. Mm-hmm. Was that like a springboard to help you with marketing in your, um, early years? based off word of mouth from them, is that how you was able to gain some of your first clients? I would say uh, 50-50. One of the girls who was always at my house, she was my first event, Rashida. (laughs) Uh, She had a mobile uh, app release for her company, The Gist Magazine. And she knew about my plans and she asked me, and I had also um, just finished bartending school. So I'm also a licensed mixologist. Okay, so so you can cook the food and make the drinks. Yeah, and that was my initial vision that I would be able to be that powerhouse. So she um, booked me and I did three signature cocktails and I did three signature appetizers. And then I had hired two girls to like assist me. So um, my cousin, she actually, we did bartending school together. Um, and I wanted her to do it for me, but she wasn't able to that night. But I had my friend Ikma and another friend from college um, help me out. And so like, I I would have them like fix plates and walk around serving and I would mix the cocktails. So now you you got your license to be a bartender and um, I assume you got your licenses and everything to actually cook and serve food, right? Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So um, what, what, what are some of the struggles and barriers to entry to this industry? Like on top of getting the licenses, and I'm sure you can expound on that. What are some barriers to entry when it comes to this? Because, you know, a lot of people are very particular about their food. Because I even even you say yourself, um, you will be at the restaurant, you will eat things, but like, oh, this could be better. And I'm sure it definitely could because a lot of restaurant food, you know, is like just manufactured in a system. Um, yeah. It doesn't have that tender love and care. Mm-hmm. What was one of your biggest hurdles to convince people, hey, I can cook, I'm great at cooking, and it's best that you pay for this instead of making it yourself? Mhm. Um I would say the biggest hurdle is people not like not knowing the quality of the service because when I first started it was 2013 and like catering to me was not like a popular thing at that point like people mm-hmm. 
what I was doing or they didn't get it. And now, like, in the last, like, three, four years, it's become a popular thing to be a chef or to, if you know how to cook, to be an independent chef and not just work at a restaurant. Because I know a lot of people that went to culinary school and they want to work at restaurants. So I felt like what I was doing, like, was so brand new in our culture that it wasn't appreciated. And I honestly feel like I I didn't become as appreciated as I am now until the mm. pandemic people couldn't go to their favorite restaurant and then they had to like do something different and then people eating mm. my food realizing like damn this shit better than the fucking restaurant food yeah. and um it was really just tough in the beginning because I just felt like people didn't understand the quality of the service and they want the food to cost the same like if you go to the store and you run up $150 on groceries they think that's what you know, your tag's supposed to be. And it's like, no, because I'm going to get the groceries. That's my time. Yeah. I'm carrying groceries. That's my energy. I'm cooking these groceries. Then I got to bring this shit back out to you. Then I got to yep. love equipment. Then I got to store my equipment. Then I got to get this license. Then I got to pay for this insurance. Then I got to get a bigger car. Like, you know, like all of these different things people not seeing, but just having enough faith in what I'm doing to just be confident enough to keep raising my prices as I get more resources and I never raised my prices to me ahead of time like I was always like no nah, let me get this first so I could justify what I'm doing I never was one of them people that felt bad about charging because I felt like it was always appropriate like okay I just added another 200 to my car though so I could get this shit around I gotta start charging people I got my food and license uh, my food and um, sanitations license certificate I gotta charge more and I just yeah. pay for this course I classes now I'm renting this share kitchen because I can do that now that I got this license so I'm cooking in a commercial kitchen I gotta raise the price like you know and I felt like as I went on like you know, certain people understood and other people didn't. And that's okay because now y'all could go get y'all food from the next new chef on the block. You know, like, yeah. and I feel like I always felt appropriate with my pricing. And now I'm just like unapologetic. Like, no, I'm not making no $300 dinner. Like, y'all go get y'all hair done for $700, $2,000. Y'all not about to tell me y'all can't pay for this food. Yeah. <laughs> and we pay for whatever else we want in other instances too. So just knowing that um, and, and being okay with that, that my people going to find me and I don't have to feel like I got to work with everybody and do anything. Yeah. And I think that's a trap. A lot of entrepreneurs fall into. Um, it's a blessing. You didn't fall into it or fall deep into it um, for that matter. Um because I know myself, I know other entrepreneurs, you know, in the early years, it's kind of like, I hate to use this term, but it's like we're desperate, you know, we're desperate to, you know, make a sale and, you know, grow our business and get our name out there. And one thing I had to learn is something you said, you know, the people who are destined to be my clients are the ones that's going to find me. They're the ones who's going to appreciate what I do. They're going mm-hmm. to be the ones that's going to um, trust that I'm going to deliver and mm-hmm. see the value in it. Like you said, you have licenses and, you know, I don't need to know how much the licenses cost, but anytime you hear the word license, it's expensive. <laughs> you know, anything that involves a license, no matter if we're talking about a driver's license, we're talking about, you know, lick license, it's going to cost you some money relative to, you know, that industry. So, you yeah. know, you're just not somebody that, you know, that's in the kitchen and was like, hey, I, want, I can cook, you know, and, and I definitely salute you because another mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make is when they start out. They don't get themselves right. And what I mean by that is they don't get licensed. They don't get insured. They don't get bonded for their industry, you know. And I think 
again, those things cost money, but it's a huge investment in yourself. And once you show that, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, she the real deal. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we can trust her as opposed to trusting such and such around the corner that ain't going to mm-hmm. follow standard procedure. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's um, that's great. So you said the pandemic was a huge uh boost for your business simply because um the restaurants couldn't you know obviously operate the same way that they could in the past i think Mm -hmm. that's an interesting tidbit you know how the pandemic has been a curse unfortunately for so many small businesses Mm -hmm. but it's been a blessing for so many others you know um, can you can you expound on that and tell us you know other ways that the pandemic helped you whereas if the world was still normal your business probably would have still been stagnant Mm-hmm, absolutely. So um, I remember when March rolled around, I was working on this um, new video that I was about to release because I was trying to, you know, change my marketing and really uh, uh, help the visual of my business like come to life so people could really see what I'm doing and why I was worth it. And then the pandemic, you know, kind of shut it down. Like, nah, it ain't time to release this video or nothing. Just sit still on it. And I did that. I sat still for a while and just tried to see what was going to happen for me without feeling fearful because I'm just like, damn, like, if I can't operate, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I about to do with myself? So I just sat still for a minute and um, something told me to offer plates now that's not something that i do all the time because it's playing small i mean now honestly if you got the crew or the not the crew but the clientele to to do plates and you got 50 people who who will come see you a day or a week or whatever then it's it's not playing small people out here getting money with these plates for real and but for me like i'd rather have one event (laughs) <laughs> you know, and um, service 50, 75 people at one time and be on my way than to be out here making a bunch of plates. Yeah. And the way I serve food is custom everything. So even though I was selling plates, I would have one customer who would want fried chicken wings and uh, lasagna and another customer who wants some crab alfredo and some uh stuff steak and I'm like okay let me figure out how I could do this and I feel like that was the benefit that I had when I did decide to do the place um, during the pandemic was allowing people to order whatever they wanted to and that made them feel like their money was well spent because they not just picking from my little daily menu that I was coming up with they was like this what I want and I was taking those custom orders and I would have like three or four different people making custom orders a day so that was kind of a lot because I was making like eight different meals in one day Um, Mm. and I felt like I was so drained I'm like dang like all I did was make eight meals today and I'm super freaking tired, but I ended up doing that for like two months and it ended up just being nonstop. I made, I posted one pitch and I wasn't even posting that I was making plays. I never made one flyer or said shit about making plays. I just posted to uh, like my customer's place one day and it just went up from there. Everybody mm. like, Oh, I want that. Uh, can I get this? Uh, so I started doing these two for plays. Like, uh, you got to order two. And so everybody was just ordering like crazy. I would have some clients that came like every day um, or that would just come like four times a week. <laughs> uh, wow. They would, yeah. And then they would start like wanting to celebrate. So I remember the first 
uh, dinner that I did, somebody just wanted me to like drop it off and they was like, we'll set it up or whatever because they was nervous about the pandemic. And then I had one uh, customer, they was celebrating their anniversary and they was like, at first we wasn't going to do nothing. And then we saw you uh, post their food and we like, maybe we could get her to come over here. And they was like nervous and I was nervous because it's the first like, yeah. you know, thing where we started looking, you know, going back into each other's house a little bit. And I will say that was in like May and from there, like people see me making myself available to do these in-home dinners and that went up like crazy. So I started doing a lot of in-home dinners and that was always my goal. Like as I started catering, I realized that I like doing intimate dinners more. And I'm like, if I could just be doing intimate dinners and just traveling, doing these dinners, that would be life right there. So like that is one way that the pandemic catapulted me into this next level of service that I provide, which is something that I've been wanting to do for the last two years is travel and do dinners. And that's what I ended up doing most of the pandemic for the work side of things. And then outside of that, um, I started my initiative, Feed the Kiddos, which was born out of Mayor Lori Lightfoot closing down CPS schools for one day. And that just turned me up. Like I was on fire. Mm -hmm. And I guess like for me, like, that's the way like the way I heal is through food and I'm it 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 just ends up being naturally that way it's the thing for me like for me with my brother and feed the kiddos came literally like days after I buried my grandmother and that was so hard for me to lose her to COVID that I didn't know what else I didn't know how to handle that in a healthy way but I didn't want to be destructive to myself but it was really hard because like, damn, like, in the first wave of COVID, like, my grandma, who made it to 90 fucking eight, she had mm-hmm. to get, like, everything she fucking survived as a black woman, she made it through. And then COVID fucking took her almost, out. Almost a it, century of life. Yes, almost a century. And she was healthy enough where I know she would have lasted longer if, you know, God willing, if it wasn't for this fucking uh COVID and yeah. I was so frustrated but I didn't know how to channel that anger I didn't have a therapist anymore I didn't know what else to do cooking was the first thing and when I seen that the kids wasn't gonna be able to eat for a day I didn't know how long it was gonna last my soul was on fire and it was like I already was on fire from losing her so I think that that was what gave me the strength the courage and the energy to really put into doing feed the kiddos and not be afraid to go into the community and 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 be something for my community that I felt like we needed. And that changed my whole world. Like me doing that. And it was not about money. I didn't work for three months when I did feed the kiddos. I wasn't mm. making no money. I wasn't using volunteer money. And people start saying it like, Chanel, you got to start making, taking some of this money for yourself. Like you ain't working like how you surviving. And I'm like, shit, my rent do my rent late. I'm behind on my car. No, but I ain't got to bring that up to nobody. Like God, see what I'm doing. God gonna bless me. Like God is not going to put me on the fucking street and I'm out here feeding the world right now. Like something is going to work for me. And you know, I had to work for it and been working and been working, but God put the customers in my life. You know how people say, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't say that. I'd be like, you know, Jesus help me get this car and steer my way but i'm gonna show up and put my hands on the wheel and that's how i am 
in life. Like, bring me to work. I'm going to do the job. You know, like, I ain't trying to just have all the work or everything given to me. I'm I'm here to be a servant. And I, and I pray for that. I want to be a servant. I want to be a vessel. I want to be used for great things. And I feel like uh, Feed the Kiddos was another great thing for me to be able to, like, express that and show the other part of me that I'm not out here just trying to make money or I and I ain't never been that and I think that's one thing that people like about me how humble I am even though it's kind of um I think it's kind of overwhelming sometimes for people to experience my energy because it is so humbling like I'm so chill I'm just such a humbling soul like (laughs) and I'm just such a hard worker that Sometimes people don't expect me to be this way or have the energy that I have, but I'm just literally a person who is grateful that I'm able to wake up every day and use my God-given gifts to live and sustain myself. And I don't know another way to be but humble when you can wake up and be that person that God created you to be. Okay, so that's um, wow. That's 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 some powerful stuff right there. That's a powerful testimony a powerful story. Um, and I want to, I want to back up so we can dissect that. Um, Mm -hmm. I got two things I want to tackle. So first thing is COVID, you know, blessed your business in, um, a new Avenue, a new niche, right. Mm -hmm. You know, the intimate, the intimate events, you know, that took Mm -hmm. off. So that was a blessing. And then you Mm -hmm. had the, the, the unfortunate tragedy. It took your grandmother, who mm-hmm. was healthy and would still be alive, you know, most likely had it not been for this pandemic that rolled around. Yeah. So um, you took that uh, ambition and you took that pain and you morphed it and fused it into like a weapon to wage war on COVID because you created mm-hmm. a nonprofit arm. That's essentially what this sounds like. Feed the Kiddo sounds like a nonprofit mm-hmm. arm of your already entity, Dreamy, um, Dream Events Catering. So mm-hmm. you began to wage war on COVID by doing what COVID would otherwise win in, which is not allowing kids to eat because uh, CPS shut down and all of that. So I, I want to um, just zoom in a little bit on Feed the Kiddos. So you're feeding the kids. What exactly, how did you operate this? Was you like feeding them at one specific location every day? Was it different locations? How did you get the word out? And how did this, um, you know, flow in the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. It was so freaking crazy. Like, honestly, this is one of the most like craziest projects that I ever started um I I literally was like and I've never been so vulnerable on social media but like I made a post I said this is what I'm gonna do and I asked for volunteer I mean donations I didn't ask for volunteers I was just like y'all this is what I want to do for the kids I don't know how I'm gonna get them I didn't think all of that shit through I just knew that I wanted to cook for the kids and try to figure out how to get them this food so mm-hmm. I made a post and and I cried on social media like, y'all, I swear I'm going to use this money to feed these kids. Like, just help me out. Um, and next thing you know, like, I started getting all these donations or whatever. And I had about $1,000 that night. So I said, okay, cool. I'm going to go grocery shopping in the morning. And um, then I'm going to cook that afternoon. So I um, got ready. I started trying to go to the stores it wasn't shit on the shelves this was right after the rioting around black lives matter and looting and all of that shit it wasn't shit at them stores yo so i went (laughs) it really wasn't like it it wasn't wasn't no beans no nothing i'm like y'all don't need to eat beans (laughs) 
Like, what y'all getting beans for? Y'all didn't they eat do beans, not man. Eat them. They don't eat the fucking beans. Every bean, the white beans was gone, black beans, red beans. It was no bean. It was nothing. I had to go to Indiana to get groceries. I went to Indiana and got $1,000 worth of groceries. My car was full from the front to the back. And I had three friends that was like, we helping you tonight. And I don't, I don't know where the fuck they came from. They was the Power Rangers. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what it was like. So I get to the kitchen. I got my three friends. I'm like, all right, we in this bitch. So we was literally in there till five o'clock in the morning. One of my friends, no, like four o'clock in the morning. One of my friends left at like, midnight and the other two like we ain't leaving till you leaving so i'm like i swear y'all the truth so it was my friend the it was me trent jasmine and akia akia she was in town uh visiting but she living um philly so she had to go and then me and jazz and trent stayed up in there till four in the morning and then i was gonna drop me and trent was about to drop off jasmine and we end up talking for like an hour about the whole night and the experience so basically what we did was cooked all this food and then we was gonna go back the next day and box it up and so we was just talking about everything and we ended up talking outside jasmine house for an hour y'all we like y'all want to just go back to my house and like get a nap in so we went to my house we stayed up to like six o'clock i remember going to sleep from like 605 to like 625 got back up went back to the kitchen boxed all that shit up by like eight o'clock and found different schools and like places to deliver how did i find that shit on social media everybody was just posting stuff like oh we doing you know we we gonna feed the kids over here or we got a free people's food program over here oh so you would go to existing um food giveaways that were already in place yep okay I like okay a batman like i would look <laughs> i swear i would just be on social media all day looking for people to say they was cooking here and cooking there and then i would make a little route i would look at the addresses i wrote everything down and then we would pick a time we gonna show up to this place at this place and we ain't calling people and telling them we was coming we just knew what they was doing we knew that they was gonna need the food so we packed that shit up and the first day we had like 300 meals the first day we cooked everything so mm. we packed all that shit up in my car i don't know who else car we had because i don't think nobody else had a car (laughs) i honestly just think we packed all that shit up and made rounds all day and it was like we had that shit in the back seat of my car we would see kids on the street we'd be like hey you hungry we'll pull over like we (laughs) (laughs) doing pull-ups with the food pull-ups with the food hell yeah we was pulling up we got shrimp fried rice chicken fried rice in the back (laughs) oh this is beautiful it was so cool, and some of the kids were skeptical as fuck. Which you know, you of better course. be skeptical yeah, in yeah. Chicago. So yeah. we might pull over and like stop the car, open the trunk, show all the food, and they'd be like, "All right, you know," and come grab some meals or whatever. We went through a uh, Parkway. We went through the project. Oh we yeah, was y'all everywhere. was in the trenches. Y'all was yeah, in the trenches. Yeah, we were in the trenches. We was all up in the parks and everywhere, just driving through, like forget it like what up so first we did all the food programs and then we saved some like i said and just drove around and got it and so we had no more food we looked up it's like 5 p.m the sun settling down we like yo that shit was crazy like we just did that shit like yo we just got rid of all 300 of those meals and that's and i'm looking at my phone and i'm still getting cash apps cash app now i'm up to another thousand i'm like damn so at this point i'm like okay it's not just this thing that i'm gonna do this one time you know, this is something that people support. And so I'm going to keep on doing it. 
But this time, like, let me try to organize. So each week I organize more and more and volunteers start helping. I even had a volunteer that helped me organize. And then I remember the day that I knew that Feed the Kiddos was as as big as I could even imagine when um, the volunteers just start showing up on their own. And then um, it was like five volunteers there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go set up some stations so we can all have a little station to work out of. And I'll be right back. I come back. It's 20 fucking volunteers in the kitchen. And I'm like, what the fuck? And you talk about your commercial kitchen or? Yep, the commercial kitchen. Wow. Look at that. And you know know what comes to mind as you're telling me all this? um, It's the the story when, you know, um, Jesus, the, you know, the five loaves, the two fish. um, Mm. And. Dr. Howard John Wesley, he's the pastor of Alpha Street Baptist Church in Virginia. He's from Chicago, though. Mm-hmm. Um, heard a sermon that he preached one time, and he said, you know, um, it's hard to conceive, like, you know, Jesus will, like, multiply fish and bread, and, you know, it's just popping up out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. But what I love about how he did this is he said, Jesus fed that crowd not by making food pop up. He fed the crowd because one person prepared a portion for the next person and that yeah. person prepared a portion for the next person. And then that, pro- that person prepared a portion for the next person. And it just spread until everybody ate. So mm-hmm. you prepared a portion and then someone else came and helped prepare the portion. And then someone else came and helped prepare the portion. That's what it sounds like. It, it's, it's like your energy and your mission and you know, your, your, um, you, you funneled that anger into a contagious appetite to serve. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. like how I can just, you know picture this it's like you created a contagious appetite to serve and before you knew it now you're just feeding all these kids around the south side of chicago um just you know the city you're feeding all these kids every day with all of this support and it Mm -hmm. all started because you funneled that anger you Mm -hmm. you didn't allow your thoughts of the passing of your grandmother from covid to control you you controlled the thoughts and you went out there and you just made it happen that's I mean, I'm mind blown. You know, I'm mind blown. You was doing all this, like you said, car note, old past due. You know, um, that's that's a, that's amazing courage, man. So you you started feed the kids. Where's feed the kids now? And we're like, what's what's going on with it now? Wow. So one girl saw me do feed the kiddos, and she was so inspired. She ended up writing. A I'm story sorry, feed the kiddos. Feed the kiddos. Feed the kiddos. She she sent a um her uh bank had requested like um stories about people who were doing great things in the community and she did I don't know if she knew this when she like submitted my story but that's how I got covered by USA Today because that bank was Mm. uh, working USA Today through an initiative with uh, uh, Facebook for humankind stories and that was like something that changed the whole like dynamic of what I'm doing and people wanting to have these type of conversations with me and I'm just like what in the hell and um it's just like that just went to a whole other level of things and um being recognized in the community for doing feed the kiddos just helped me continue to do it because more people wanted to support so I wanted to do an event this winter where it would be like a um a a pop-up shop where people could shop and um and get food but I didn't end up getting a chance to do that just because when I finally did go back to work I never stopped 
um, when I and that was in October. My work hiatus ended from doing Feed the Kiddos when I ended up doing a private dinner in L.A. in October. And from there, I literally started working nonstop. The holiday season had came around. I I, I was I, I worked myself into a freaking hole, you know, um, and then yeah. New Year's came and I January was so dry for me that I couldn't do anything but just thank God because I was so tired and I just had realized like from starting Feed the Kiddos and doing that for three months straight like crazy like it was like clockwork and yeah. then going straight into um, that dinner and then the holiday season and then not letting up until January I'm just like whoo you know so now I feel so much more like even though I felt really present in my life I just felt like I was like always like on the go and working and then I needed that time to come down from all of that and like be from the outside, like looking in because I was on the inside of it so thick, you know. And yeah. so, um, where Feed the Kiddos is now is continuing to fundraise so that I can figure out the next type of event that I want to do. Um, and I am working right now, I'm going to be having a collaboration that I'm so excited with with the restaurant Honey Butter Fried Chicken. Um, mm. I have, um, created a sandwich that they will sell and proceeds of the sandwich will be used for any um, uh, organization that I want. And of course, I'm going to use it for Feed the Kiddos. Um, And I'm really excited. I'm going to do Feed the Kiddos and the Love Fridge because that's like my favorite nonprofit right now. And they looked out for me um, as well. Like they had me filling up fridges and they were donating money to me for the food and to me for cooking it. And that was so beautiful that they saw that what I was doing was even worth a donation, like a personal donation. So that was really cool that I got to do that with them. And I love their whole entire mission. And I just, I hope to expand working with them and just be of support to them. Like they have supported me and I'm just so excited about this sandwich collaboration. Like the fact that I have a restaurant that loves what I'm doing so much that they wanted me to do this with them. I just, I can't even like, it's so beyond. <laughs> when when will the sandwich, when will the sandwich go live? I believe it's going to be May 22nd. May 22nd. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. May 22nd. Yeah. All right. So, Feed the Kiddos has exploded. Um, it's made a huge <laughs> impact. All of those good things. Mm-hmm. The second point I want to tackle from your earlier um, testimony is Dreamy Events is mobile. It's like a mobile business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's no brick and mortar. You don't have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Tell us how that evolved into your current lifestyle that you wanted for yourself? Like, tell us how you got to that point and how it, you know, it just meshed perfectly with this dream of yours. Yeah. So dream events catering is a mobile catering food entertainment service. And, um, I, got to this point because when I was having that moment, when I was in my room asking God, what is my gifts and what am I blessed with? I asked, what can I do that no one can give me or take away that no one can say, you know, you're ready now. And I came up with Dream Events Catering from that because, again, I realized that this is something that I can make out of nothing. And outside of food being my core, making something out of nothing is my core. 
Um, and I don't know if that stems from my ancestors or, you know, my family before me, but I think that- It could like, be all of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that Black people, and I know we're not the only ones, but because I'm Black and this is my life, I'm going to tell it from this perspective. <laughs> that's, that's all I you know. That's all you know. <laughs> I think that Black people have a very beautiful way of making something out of nothing and laughing at our own pain. And so I I I think that is my core of uh, creating and being a creative is taking what I have and making it work for me in whatever way that looks for me and not necessarily how it would look for somebody else or, you know, how it would stand out to somebody else, but just in order to sustain myself. And I'm so big on that. Like, I feel like and know that it was a time when our ancestors sustained themselves and it was no inclusion. It was no trying to be a part of this and trying to be a part of that. We were that. We were the ones who were planting the seeds and then the neighbors came over and, and uh, managed the crops and maintained the, the farms. And then we had the people that they would come get the, the, um, the, the food after it harvested and put it on the table. And um, then it would be someone who cooked that food and made it onto the dinner table. And we had a whole entire system. And then we had people who grew other uh, things and resources and made shoes and then they made clothes and then they, you know, took it from their grandma's uh, sewing table and put it on their baby back. So, you know, I, I believe that, we grew up in um, a world of people who were used to sustaining themselves. And that is so important to me. Like that is a huge goal of mine to be able to sustain myself with my own life, with my own gifts, with my own knowledge and with what I'm made of. And I think that that is like such a core of my business. And that's how I was able to have this mobile catering company because I didn't have a brick and mortar. (laughs) I didn't have money. (laughs) I didn't have shit. (laughs) So I wanted to still be getting started. I didn't want to sit there and say that, you know, just because I don't have these resources, I can't do anything. And that was something that Um, has helped me change the perspective and grow so much in my own world, just knowing that nobody has to give me anything for me to take what's mine. Since you're mobile, um, it's kind of like you're mobile around a country now. Yeah. um, Tell tell us a little bit about that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's very interesting. And, you know, especially how you got to this uh, revelation. (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, with the catering, mobile catering company, I started to truly desire to get away from Chicago. Um, and not only just because I don't like the city, I love the city, but, um, it was really hard for me to come back to Chicago after losing my brother to gun violence. Um, and just the trauma around that whole thing that I experienced on a daily, even to this day, like just being in the city and being in areas, um, that, is known for, you know, high volume shooting and, um, you know, just the mere fact that we can't even, you know, manage to go outside in the summer or even on nice days without someone dying and just the trauma of us losing so many black young males in the city is just so, 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 so heartbreaking. And um, I have started to really grow this 
urge and need to get out of the city as often as possible. And I relied on Dream Events to help me with that because I didn't have money to travel and go anywhere and do all the things that I wanted to do. And so I tried to channel that through my company. And so I had been speaking that over myself for a while that I was a traveling personal chef. And um, every once in a while, I would get a a small booking somewhere. I remember when I got my first booking in L.A., it was with my college roommate, Toyin. It was her uh, 30th birthday. And I had just decided, and it was so crazy because I was working full time as a um, social worker. I was a supervisor of a mental health uh, team, outreach team, where we would go into the community and we would work with people in the community experience and health and mental health illnesses, dually diagnosed with drug dependency. And we were helping them to find and maintain benefits in the community while also um, assisting with developing coping skills and um, gaining life skills to just live everyday normal lives. And so that was a whole lot just trying to manage a caseload of 80 people and have a staff of four grown women. It was a lot. And I was just like, I can't do both anymore. I could, I could have, you know, but I didn't want to, I wanted to make my business successful. And it was taking me so long to decide to leave my job. And I finally was just like, it's time for me to, you know, do it. No, it's not time. Cause I saved all this money. Cause I ain't saved shit. <laughs> I <didn't have> it. <laughs> My bank account was as negative as some of the people who was telling me to stay at work. And so I was just like, you know, I know this is crazy, but I'm a social worker. I only make $2,500 a month. Like, how rough could life be without me being at this job? Like, I I should be able to figure out how to make $2,500 a month in life. So I left my job. And... Um, I left officially in December and I got that uh, inquiry in December for for uh, California for that dinner. And I felt like that was God telling me that I was doing the right thing. And earlier, Absolutely. You had, you had mentioned earlier about how people sometimes chase things that uh, might not be in alignment with their lives. And that really struck stuck out to me because I feel like so many times I think about like, doing something else outside of cooking. Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm not getting paid enough. Am I supposed to be doing this? I'm not even working. And then something like Feed the Kiddos happen or something like USA Today happens. And I'm just reminded like, no, girl, (laughs) you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And Mm -hmm. it's not about making money. You know, it's about serving your community and being a servant in your community. Um, And I really believe that to my core. So I felt like, you know, when I got that dinner, that was God confirming me and assuring me, like, you doing what you're supposed to be doing and keep doing it. And I did that dinner. I ended up doing a dinner in St. Louis. Um, I ended up doing a dinner in Atlanta and a few other places. And I was just like, this shit crazy. And and I just kept, (laughs) kept going with it. And then it started being small stuff. Like people would invite me to do dinner in like Wisconsin or like Maryville, Indiana. And I'm like, you know, it's not far, but I'm making reach. You know, this is something like this is something. And I I just kept doing it and I became to really, really enjoy it. And then I started to really desire to do it more. And God made space for me in the universe. And people have reached out to me to do catering um weekends and i just did that in houston in less than like 36 hours prepared 
three meals. Like, I want to say it was like 24 hours. I hopped off a plane at 8.30. By 10.30, I was in the kitchen making brunch for 15 people that same night, dinner for 25, and back up in the morning again doing brunch for 15. All back to back to back to back. But this is the type of life that I pray for. And before I, I even went on this trip, I was just thinking like, man, like, I want to travel more. I want to be a travel chef. Like, and, and I want to, I want to live like that. Like I also don't want to be constricted to an apartment or a lease. I just want to live and be able to travel for work and be like, Oh, I'm in Mexico for dinner for this two nights, but I could stay for a week. Cause <laughs> like, right, I don't right. have after this, or I don't have, you know, um, somewhere I have to rush back to and pay my rent and someone is paying for me to get back home. So I might as well, you know, stay in. In February, I got called to L.A. for 10 days. I did a tasting in L.A. And that's how I ended up even getting booked for this weekend in Houston at that tasting. This girl ate my lamb chop and in five minutes she was in love. Like she was already telling me like, yo, you're mine like <laughs> whatever <laughs> I could do with you with food we doing that shit and next thing you know they put me on a plane to Houston mm. and I'm just like this is freaking incredible and in that same trip my second day in LA I got to cook for Travis Scott and just having these experiences where I'm not leading I'm I'm afraid I'm very fearful but I'm not leading with fear like the fear is in existence but I'm not letting it take me down and um I had to do that same thing with leaving my apartment um I I was so scared to do that but I felt like if I let that go and made space um for something else then God is gonna fill me up with something else and shoot ever since I left I've been gone you know I I, (laughs) I've I haven't had to figure it out too much. You know, it's aligning so properly. And I know on on times it's going to stink or feel kind of weird or I'm going to feel a little out of place. But I'm confident that if I'm doing the right thing, God is going to continue to put me in the right places. And that's Absolutely. what I'm back in. Absolutely. And what, what city are you in currently? I am in Atlanta right now. And you had a uh, event out there. Um in Atlanta, like, did you do it already? Is it upcoming? No, I actually came out here to relax. I just oh, okay. where I was working, and I was working in Carolina as well. And I just wanted some time to relax before my next work excursion. So I came here to visit a friend and just relax. And so that's what I'm doing here. Okay. I will be honest, I sent out a couple of, like, uh, overviews, which is um, like a proposal kind of with like pictures and some of my work to a few different people out here to try to set up tastings if I had some time or if they uh, took the bite. I definitely was trying to fish to make new connections, but I haven't met anyone yet with the emails that I sent out. But if someone reached out to me right now, like I got your email, let's do this tasting, then I will be working while I'm here too. Okay. And um, so quick question. When you're yeah. in these different cities, I assume you're grocery shopping in those cities and, you know, mm-hmm. um, so they're providing the transportation for you to do this and mm-hmm. come back to wherever, you know, the hotel or, you know, house that they're you know having this event in, the venue. Mm-hmm. And then do you prepare it there? That's correct? Yeah. So these like, I mean, I have not stayed at a hotel. Well, I did stay at a hotel in L.A., but most of the time, um, 
when people book me, they um, have a space for me in the house that they book because a lot of times they Got book it. in these huge houses. And so, um, like, when I was in Houston, I had a, a, a room in the house, and I used the app Instacart, which I love so very much because once you put your address in, it helps you find all the local stores, and you can get groceries delivered. So for Houston, my uh, work uh, day started on Saturday, but on Friday I started grocery shopping so that I could have everything that I needed to get started for breakfast in the morning. And I had the groceries delivered Friday to the house and they just put up the groceries for me so that when I came in Saturday, I got started with breakfast. And while I was doing breakfast, I was ordering groceries for dinner. <laughs> mm, very efficient. Very efficient. Thank um, you. This is all of this is amazing. And, you know, I, I say that with a lot of my guests because all of y'all stories are amazing. Um, I love how, you know, you're just you're allowing service and faith to lead you um, and you're just following your passion. So if, if we look at it from Southern Illinois, you know, the fortunate um, death of your brother, um, the fortunate passing of your grandmother, the pandemic, all of these things, what would you say, you know, feed the kiddos? What would you say was the central motivation for everything um, that Um, you do in your life? Hands down, my brother is my motivation for everything that I do. Um, Like the mere fact that his life was so short um, helped me see at a young age how short life is. And just reflecting on my brother, he was so beyond his years. He was the most courageous, brave person that I know. And I can still say that to this day. Like, out of all the people that I ever met, my brother was so courageous. And I just think about all that he would have been and all that he would have done with his life. And I know for a fact that he wouldn't have been sitting around living by somebody else's rules or letting somebody tell him how to live his life or use his gifts or how to be strong. And I know for a damn fact that he would never let anybody else tell him who to be. He was always himself, no matter how uncomfortable that made somebody else. And just... Him, his life, his energy, I live through it. Um, It empowers me. It strengthens me. It gives me every bit of courage that I need to get through anything that I need to get through and do anything that I need to do. And just his presence alone, like I feel it. I know it's here. And so it keeps me going like an energizer freaking bunny, (laughs) Mm. to be honest. And like just the whole power of of his life um, keeps me and that is what is my center. He's like your angel investor. Yeah, absolutely. If this episode has benefited you in any way, shape or form, I ask for two things as always. Number one, leave a five star review and number two, pass it on to a friend who may benefit from it as well. 